I know this is a crazy time of year, a lot of hustle and bustle of the holiday season, but I pray that in the midst of it all that we can really focus, we can truly remember, we can truly live out the reason for the season, the birth of Jesus, the one who changed all the world for all to, to come, to, to usher in the kingdom of heaven. And as we get closer to Christmas, it's also really, to cool, really cool to see a lot of college students back. You're, you're back from school. We want to say welcome home. We know next week we'll have a lot of college students as well. And if you are back home, we invite you after the worship service this morning to check out our connection desk right through these double doors. We've got free tokens for you. Uh, for the RUMC Coffee Shop, which is now open on Sundays. So uh, we invite you to take part in that. Now, this morning we wrap up our series entitled Supporting Cast, in which we look at some of the lesser-known characters of the Christmas story. Uh, the characters may be seemingly minor, but they are far from insignificant. And as a response, this morning as we wrap up our series supporting cast, we'll invite you to come up to take your place on the red carpet up here this morning. We'll have the Chapel Roswell photo booth up here. Have your picture made. It's a great reminder of the work that God is doing in each of us. Uh, but first, let me take you back a few years. There was a large shopping mall in Tennessee, and as Christmas was approaching, they wanted to do something really different, really radical, something that really stood out. Uh, now, yeah, I know a lot of malls have uh, their Santas, but this mall was going to do something greater. They were going to go one better. Uh, you see, they were going to have Santa Claus uh, literally skydive into the mall parking lot. Uh, they focused on this promotion and the publicity. They advertised it uh, for literally months in advance of the Christmas season. There was a, a festive atmosphere on the morning on which this was going to happen. Thousands of people, thousands of wide-eyed children looking up into the sky to see Santa skydive in to the mall, waiting for Kris Kringle to make his appearance. But on the day of the event, there was something that kind of threw a monkey wrench into the plans. You see, the winds on that Saturday morning were a lot stronger than normal. These, these large gusts of wind honestly were pretty dangerous if someone were to skydive. And so the mall, the, the promoters, they went to plan B. Here's what they were going to do. They were going to have a mannequin with a, a parachute kind of gently nudged or pushed out of the plane. Uh, the parachute would already be in the process of being opened, so uh, the mannequin was going to drift uh, softly to the roof of the mall. Okay, the, 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 the mannequin would dis disappear out of sight for a matter of a few moments, and then uh, the real Kris Kringle, the real Santa Claus, would, would kind of make his presence known on top of the roof. Everyone was going to clap and cheer. It was going to be a great event for the big mall. But sometimes things don't go the way we might expect. Here's what happened. Okay, the mannequin was pushed, just as they thought, out of the plane. The parachute, sure, was in the process of opening. And so the parachute and the Santa, they were uh, gently floating towards the top of the mall. On top of the mall, on the roof, was uh, the real-life Santa. And, and as soon as the mannequin came down, the real-life Santa was going to get up, and he was going to wave to the kids, and all would be wonderful. But remember, I mentioned the that the winds were kind of strong, and unfortunately, something bad happened. Here's, here's what happened. As Santa, the mannequin, was, was gently falling to the earth below. The wind pushed this mannequin Santa into a live power line. <laughs> True story. 
this mannequin Santa, now nobody was the wiser, they didn't know it was a mannequin on the ground, and they saw all of a sudden Santa Claus catching on fire and literally exploding into a million little pieces. Oh, the humanity. The kids watching Kris Kringle just explode before their eyes. Yeah, sometimes things aren't what we might expect. This certainly is the case with the Christmas narrative in Scripture. Our Scripture this morning takes us back more than 2,000 years to the story of the birth of Jesus. Now, for hundreds of years prior, the Jewish people, they had been praying for and anticipating, longing for, yearning for the coming of a Messiah. Now, the word Messiah is a Hebrew word that means the anointed one. Okay, the Son of God was referred to as Messiah, the anointed one. Now, the Greek word for Messiah is Christos, or Christ. And so when we say Jesus Christ, Christ isn't his last name. It simply means Jesus, the anointed one, the one sent by God. So Messiah and Christ, they're interchangeable, the same word, same meaning, just different languages. The Jewish people, you see, they had been praying, they had been waiting, longing for, yearning for the one sent by God to restore the nation of Israel to her previous glory, to to drive out the oppression of the Roman Empire, to bring freedom to the Jewish people. And through Jesus, God heard, God responded, God answered their prayers. Now, Jesus wasn't exactly what they were hoping for. He wasn't the kind of Messiah that they had been anticipating. You see, Jesus came to save us from sin and not from the Roman Empire. Jesus came to defeat sin and shame and a worldly death and not from our political enemies. But, but that's getting ahead of ourselves. In the birth narrative of Jesus... We read the familiar story of Joseph and Mary and of baby Jesus. But the birth of Jesus story is filled with with a variety of these supporting cast members. People, like I said, they seem relatively minor in the overall scheme of things, but they are certainly not insignificant. Now, as most of you know, before I kind of followed that call into ministry, and I did fight it for many, many years, but I was a television sportscaster, and I love sports stories where there is the underdog, where it's David versus Goliath, so to speak. I mean, who doesn't love a good underdog story? Now, the phrase underdog refers to an individual or a team that really isn't expected to win, not really expected to do anything good at all. But the phrase comes from the, uh, the, the brutal world of dog fighting. You see, one dog tries to get an advantage over the other. Uh, the dogs want to get on top of the other. That's referred to as the top dog. You've heard that expression, no doubt, before. But the other dog, the one who is underneath, is now in a seemingly impossible situation. Uh, They really don't have any way to overtake or overcome the the top dog, and so they are referred to as the underdog. And so this morning, I want to look at a group of people who were definite underdogs when it comes to the birth of Jesus. And yet, despite their underdog status, God used them in mighty ways. I'm talking about the shepherds. 
Okay, we, we've heard the story before we know about the shepherds. Okay, how in the world, Joe, were these shepherds, how were they the underdogs? We're going to find out. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, in the second chapter, we read about the shepherds. Here's what Scripture tells us, Luke 2, verses 8 through 12. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. They were keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, okay, Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. A manger was basically a trough from which animals would drink. Now, uh, like many of you, perhaps at our home, we have a nativity scene in which we display the, the characters of the Christmas story. Of course, uh, Joseph and, and Mary and Jesus, maybe uh, uh, some animals and things like that. But, uh, but, but the shepherds just seem to, to kind of fit in, don't they? I mean, uh, the truth is we've always heard the Christmas story with the shepherds playing a, a mighty role. But, but in reality, the, the situation surrounding the birth of of Jesus, the, the shepherds epitomized the role of the underdog. Here's why. You see, the religious leaders expected the Son of God to be born in the royal city of Jerusalem and, and not the, uh, the rural enclaves of Bethlehem. They expected the, the, the Messiah, the Son of God, to be born to parents of the, the finest religious pedigree, not, not to a poor carpenter and his teenage bride. The, uh, the, the religious people expected Jesus or the Messiah to be born to, to kings and dignitaries and leaders and, and not to a poor couple and a teenage mother. They expected the first people to, to see the Messiah would be kings and dignitaries and, and leaders not shepherds. You see, among occupations, being a shepherd was, was really, really lower class. It had a real low place in their culture. After all, the, uh, the, the shepherds spent all of their time out alone with the sheep. The, the shepherds were stereotyped by that culture as uh, being ceremonially unclean because of their interaction with these animals. Uh, they were seen as, as poor. They were seen as untrustworthy. And yet the angel of God where did the angel of God go? The angel went to the shepherd. And you see, aside from Mary and Joseph, the shepherds were really the first ones to hear the good news of great joy. The defining moment in history was first disclosed to the outcast, the supporting cast, the lowly underdog shepherds. While the, the call was given, the invitation, it was sent forth, but the shepherds had to respond. How would they respond to this angel? How would they respond to the call from God? You see, they were obedient and they were faithful. We read about that as we pick up our passage, verses 16 through 18, again in Luke 2. The shepherds hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph. They found the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So wow, we have these shepherds. They were underdogs, but their obedience, their faith led them to the Messiah. Uh, but their role, you see, it didn't end there. The, the shepherds went on to, to spread the story of this amazing child's amazing birth. And in essence, the shepherds really 
were the first Christian evangelist. You see, God's message is for all of us, including the underdogs. And the Lord not only brought the message to these underdogs, he used these underdogs to touch others. God used them literally to change history. You see, the shepherds, they, they were the last people who were expected to be chosen by God. The, these poor, untrustworthy, unclean, lower-class folks out in the, the, the fields by night, that just doesn't make sense. Why would God use them? Why would God disclose such wonderful news to them? Certainly there were people who were better educated or more articulate or, or more deeply coveted by their culture, more articulate, more well-known, more deeply respected. But you see, the good news, the great joy that God was sending in the form of an infant was for all people. Not just the poor shepherds, but also the rich magi, they, uh, they would come to see Jesus later on. And this great news of good joy was, was not only for the Jews, but, but for the Gentiles, the, uh, the non-Jews. It was not just for the educated and the religious. It was those who were on the fringe of their society. And so notice the effect that young baby Jesus had on these shepherds. Luke 2, verse 20. After they visited Joseph and Mary, this is what happened. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You see, friends, God did amazing things in, with, and through the shepherds. And along those lines, God wants to do great things in you, with you, and through you. Shepherds were the underdogs. Who are the underdogs in our culture? Mary, she was an unwed teenage bride. How do we relate to and support, to validate, to affirm maybe pregnant teens in our culture, in our society? Or maybe do we go out of our way to support single moms or maybe kids in foster care? There are a lot of people in our culture who need help. Mary and Joseph, they, they were poor. How do we affirm and help the poor, maybe people living one paycheck away from, uh, from maybe even being homeless? The Jewish people were mistreated by the Roman Empire. But the Jewish people also looked down on maybe people in their culture. How do we affirm, how do we support those who are looked down upon in our world, in our society? In our community? How, how do we affirm and support those who are hurting or, or lonely or frightened or alone? If the Christmas story was recast today, here and now, who would be the underdogs of that story? Who would be the ones that God would choose to experience, to live out, and then proclaim the good news of great joy? I don't know about you. Maybe it's just a Joe thing, but uh, there are times when, when I've felt like the underdog. There have been situations that, on face value, they seem impossible to overcome, but we have a God who loves and is with the underdog. Uh, there are situations or maybe scenarios in which you feel like an underdog because you feel like you're, uh, you're hammered down, you're, you're defeated by a problem or an issue that you're facing in your life. But, but Christ, you see, he came to bring hope and joy and peace to the underdogs. 
You see, part of the, the Christian growth process is acknowledging that, that we need Jesus, that we can't save ourselves, that we can't bring ourselves into righteousness through our actions or through our works. We have to rely on God's grace, on God's mercy. It's not about what we can do for God. It's about what God has done for us and is continuing to do in us, with us, and through us. And as with any gift, we have the opportunity to, to say yes or, or to say no, to, to accept or to reject. Remember what the angels said when they first appeared to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy. You see, friends, the birth of Jesus brought good news and great joy to a dark and a hurting world. And the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus is still ushering in good news of great joy to you and to me. Why? Because God sent us a Savior. You see, in my life, Jesus has saved me from, from me becoming the worst that I can be. Jesus has saved me from maybe being narcissistic or, or self-centered. The, the whole world revolves around me. Jesus says, no, that's not the way it is. Jesus saved me from, from big-time mistakes that I may be prone to make. Jesus saves us from a life of, of hopelessness. Jesus saves us from an eternity outside of heaven. And Jesus has saved us from fear and from death. Jesus has saved me from having to save myself because truthfully, I can't do it. I've tried. It doesn't work. But 2,000 years ago, the lowly shepherds were handpicked and they were visited by an angel. The angel gave them news that would rock their world and change yours. God is still in the business of revealing and leading and changing. Even for the underdogs, especially for the underdogs. Will you pray with me? Dear loving God, we thank you for the ways in which you use an intriguing cast of characters to show your amazing love and mercy and grace to a world that so badly needs it. We thank you for the ways in which you are using us to make a difference in the lives of others, all because you have made a difference in us. And Lord God, open up our eyes to the underdogs around us. May those around us sense the peace and the hope that you want each of us to live out. Father God, give us compassion, give us mercy, give us hope. Give our hearts an appreciation and acceptance to those who might be different than we are. Give us strength to love the way that you love. May the heartbroken find hope and may the hurting find comfort. May those looked down upon by our culture find validation and affirmation. God, we thank you for the birth of Jesus and the ways in which it ushered in a new way of seeing things, a new way of doing things. We thank you, God, for the amazing love that you have for each of us. God, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior, your Son. Amen. Again, friends, after our closing song this morning, we'll invite you to come up and take part in our photo booth, a great way to craft some really special memories as we approach the birth of Jesus. 
And also, as we wrap up our time together, God calls us to respond in different ways. We, we respond with our service, being the, the hands and feet of Jesus in a, a world that needs God's hand and feet. We, we respond with our presence. We respond with our worship. And we respond by our giving. You see, our, our financial giving here at Chapel Roswell helps to, to fuel the mission and the ministry of what God is doing here. Lives are being changed and our obedience and our faithfulness is affecting lives that we will never even know about. On the big screens, you can see a variety of ways to give. It's our way of responding to God's call this morning.